Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Dreams Unlimited Travel Podcast. My name is John Magi, and I will be your host. And for this episode, we're going to be talking about booking a universal Orlando resort vacation. Um, this is actually the first part in a multi-part series about Universal. Um, I have been to Universal many times. I've stayed at all but the newest resort, but I am not really one of the people who book Universal for Dreams Unlimited. So I am super, super happy to be joined by our panel of experts this week, Agent Consultant for Dreams Unlimited Travel, Tracy Heinrichs. Hi, everyone. Agent for Dreams Unlimited Travel, Christy Bennett. Hello. Agent for Dreams Unlimited Travel, Allie Thomas-Reeves. Hi, everyone. Chief Executive Officer of Dreams Unlimited Travel and Overall Know-It-All, Pete Werner. Hey, everybody. <laughs> Back in our production facility, uh, our associate producer, Oliver Green. Hello. And our producer, Craig Williams. Hello. Again, very excited to be talking about Orlando, uh, uh, Universal Orlando <laughs> Resorts. Um, again, this is not something that I consider myself an expert in. I would have to say me as well. Um, at Dreams, the great and why thing. are you here? Because you yeah, told really. me. <laughs> I've been to Universal just like mm-hmm. you have. I've stayed at them. I certainly have opinions and thoughts, and I have some clients that I help with Universal as well. Um, but at Dreams, we have agents who really, while many of our agents do a lot of different products, some of them tend to kind of lean towards a product a right. little bit more. So, you know, for that reason, we have agents that we would consider to be more expert in a certain product than, you know, than we would, you know, myself for sure or others. Absolutely. So it's great to have Christine Alley here. It's also great to have the team here. Not to be confused with Kirstie Alley. Kirstie Alley is not here. <laughs> but um. uh, also great to have uh, Craig and Oliver here because they do a show every week on Universal. So having their input is super, super important. And Pete loves Universal. So I think that we've got a really great rounded panel with us today. Um, I just want to start out by saying that... Um, as for as long as we've been coming to Central Florida on vacation, Universal has always been a part of our vacation. It's always something we've always done. However, it's always been sort of an add-on. You know, you would go to Disney and you'd stay at Disney and then you would take one day and go to Universal and do the parks. However, over the years, Universal has grown exponentially. Just an incredible uh, theme park experience now with two full theme parks as well as City Walk. And the new resorts that are being popped up, they're popping up all the time. So I believe that Universal Orlando deserves its own show. It certainly has become something our clients are very much interested in. We get questions about booking Universal all the time. And not just, I'm staying at Disney, I want to go and I want to do a day at Universal and ride the rides. They want to go and they want to stay and they want to experience the Well, the, the, the split stay at Universal is now is becoming more and more common. Um, Whereas before, and this is really in the time before Harry Potter, the time before Wizarding World of Harry Potter, before Diagon Alley, um, Universal was a one, maybe a two-day excursion. Now what we're seeing more and more is people saying, okay, I'm going to spend three or four days at Disney, and then I'm going to spend three or four days at Universal. And that's how they're making up their trip. So it really does become, it does change the planning. It does change the booking. It does change, you know, all the dynamics that normally go into planning one of these vacations. And I would say as agents, our dialogue has changed with our clients. It used to be that clients would ask us about universal and we would talk about, you know, a ticket that included transportation, send you over there for a day. And now our dialogue is changing. Whereas we're saying, you know, 
you may want to consider, even if it's only a couple nights, you may want to consider that immersive on-site experience because it's changed. Universal isn't what it used to be. Yeah, and that's why Harry I started really booking Universal because I kept having clients that wanted to stay there. And I had to send them to another agent, which obviously I didn't want to do. And now I have a lot of clients that have a right. dual stay. And right. they do two or three nights at Universal. And Universal offers transportation to and from a Disney resort, which is really nice. Excellent. So let's start out a little bit talking about the differences between Disney and Universal. You know, it's always tough. We don't always want to compare everything to being at Disney. But it's kind of hard to do. You know? And the other thing, a lot of our client base started as Disney right. clients. And this is a question they have a lot. They want to know what to expect, what's different. Mm-hmm. So I exactly. think that's a big question to answer. So obviously one of the biggest differences is there are two theme parks as opposed to four at Disney. Um, and unlike Disney, these truly are walking distance to each other. You could be in one park, you can get out of that park, and you can walk to another Well, park. truly everything on Universal. Right. It's very similar to Disneyland in a lot of ways, right. yes. um, where everything on Universal property, even if you're staying at you know Portofino Bay mm-hmm. or Cabana Bay, you can still walk to the parks. Right. It's a little bit yeah. longer, obviously, but you can still walk there comfortably. Mm-hmm. Right. And this is, you know, John walkable. This isn't, you know, if you see people, I could walk between the parks. No, this is something that I can do comfortably. So I couldn't strange. comfortably walk from Cabana Bay or Portofino, but I do know lots of people do. Really? Really? We walked from Cabana Bay. Mm-hmm. You are full of it. Well, we walked from Cabana Bay to Islands of Adventure. You did not. I swear. Not, okay, it really I want isn't video. that far. Really that I want video. It's not that bad. <laughs> I just did it last weekend. It's not bad. Did you? Next weekend, it'll be me walking. Okay, we'll strap a, go, we'll strap a GoPro on him just yep. so you can I see I want to see it happen. All right. <laughs> Wow. I didn't realize it was going to go that way. <laughs> so that's a big difference. Two parks as opposed to four walking distance to each other. They have what they call City Walk, which is their entertainment district. This uh, is sort of right in the middle of the two theme parks. So one of the things that we you know, want to make sure our clients understand, too, is the accessibility of these parks and uh, how easy it is to get around and how easy it is to do something like park hopping or multi-day tickets. Um one of the other big differences we see with Universal is the difference in uh, young children friendliness as opposed to, say, teens and young adults. So I know uh, you guys have prepared some stuff um, that talked about families at Universal. Yes. yes. I took my first trip to Universal when my daughter was four. And it was a little, ooh, is she going to like it? Because there's not a lot of attractions that she could ride at four. Um, she was either scared or just too short. But what Universal does offer is massive, very immersive play areas that Disney does not offer. They have um, several in Islands of Adventure and a couple in Universal Studios themselves. Some are dry, some are wet. She had a ball. She had an absolute ball there. I think that as she's gotten older, Universal is growing on her. And she's 13 now. And she has asked for annual passes for Christmas. Um, as she gets older, her, her, her likes have changed. She wants the bigger rides. She wants the bigger thrills. She wants to ride the Incredible Hulk. But as, as we go to the parks, we do notice there are smaller children coming and going and it is a lot more child friendly as far as like you said they're so close together they're so compact even city walk city walk has play areas yes, for children it does it does it has the new fountain which is nice it's a bar 
<laughs> That's not a fountain. It's nice <laughs> That's to, a beer spigot. I think <laughs> when you have little kids to be able to walk back to your resort and take a break, at yes. Disney it takes a lot more time to go take that afternoon break than yes, at Universal. Right. Yeah. As, Pete, as Pete mentioned, these are very, very close together. You could walk back. You could take their transportation. We'll cover more of that in the show where we talk about resorts. But as far as the par- theme parks go, um, yeah, definitely, I think, I also think Universal is becoming more kid friendly. They are. Yeah, there's a there. There is definitely a push on be on the part of Comcast, which is Universal's parent company. Um, they're investing heavily in that. They're investing heavily in these parks to begin with, making them a, a lot more competitive than they were previously. But uh, a big part of that push has been uh, to introduce kid friendly. Mm-hmm. More family-friendly sorts yeah. of attractions. Craig, what can you offer? Uh, what can you offer on that? Well, I mean, it's just—it's completely shifted. It's not even just the DreamWorks. It's also with the hit well, Secret Life of don't, Pets. Well, don't don't skip over that. Talk talk a little bit about DreamWorks. I I, I don't know <laughs> specifically really. Okay, to go so into uh, it I, I got it. Um, <laughs> uh, one of the one of the acquisitions Comcast recently made was of DreamWorks Animation. Mm-hmm. So, if you've seen, was it Kung Fu Panda's one of theirs? Am I Kung correct? Fu Panda, Shrek, Shrek, How to Train Your Dragon, How to Train Your Dragon. Um, they so they have a lot of intellectual property that they acquired with DreamWorks. Now, keep in mind one of Universal's biggest problems for a long time. I'm not going to get wonky here, but uh, one of their biggest problems for a long time and still is is that they don't own a lot of the intellectual property that their attractions are based on. So there are all these restrictions. It's one of the reasons things don't change up as often as they would maybe at Disney. Um, But now with the acquisition of DreamWorks, they now own that intellectual property. So a lot of this stuff uh, is now stuff they can develop rides on. They can develop experiences much the way Disney does. That was the big reason why I think they spent what they spent on it, but you were also going to talk about uh, you. You, well, yeah, the with everything Illumination Entertainment has been doing, uh, Secret Life of Pets, uh, all of the Despicable Me movies, which I believe there's even a sequel coming for Minions, uh, as if they did needed more Minions. Uh, a sequel to Secret Life of Pets. We already know there's an attraction that is coming. They announced that a while ago, but no timetable on that. And uh, basically, everything that studio is making is a hit for kids right now. Um, so they're they're really going to be riding that as much as they can. But. So that's a shift in how we would approach our clients mm-hmm. who say, listen, I don't think I want to bring my five-year-old or my six-year-old. I don't think they're going to get enough out of this vacation. It's not going to be worth spending the money. It's important for us to let people know that, yes, it really is, that the kids will get enjoyment out of it. But also you don't want to sort of, you know, jip the rest of the family. You don't want to miss Universal because the five-year-old can't do anything. I mean, they have lockers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, certainly fine to put a child in a locker. Well, you know, no, honestly, you know, one of the things, too, I think that's important to mention wh- from that perspective, you know, one of the things I've always said about Disney resorts, you, if you want to know how good the pool is, <laughs> take a look at it in the middle of the day when there's the option to go to a theme park or there's the option to be in the pool. If you see a lot of kids in the pool at 11 o'clock in the morning or at noon, you know that, that that pool must be fun. It must be a good pool because yeah. the kids would rather be there than in a theme park. I see that at all mm-hmm. of the Universal Resorts, yes. whether it's Portofino, Hard Rock, 
uh, Royal Pacific. Each of those pools is different, very, very specific, mm-hmm. uh, specifically themed. Um, I think I would say arguably the Hard Rock Pool is probably my favorite, the underwater sound system. Um, but you see, mm-hmm. you know, so that's a lot. Uh, and there's a lot for kids to do there, too, at the Absolutely. resorts. So Absolutely. you should consider that at least in, in making that decision. And if you're comparing the two parks, I mean, there is just there is not enough at this point or there's not as much at this point for a five-year-old to do at Universal as there is with Disney. No. But the question becomes, do you compare? Is the comparison fair? Like it's, it's just a different experience. So, you know, I think Universal has recognized there's a gap in that age group and in the family and I think they're making great strides towards it I know we, we took Ben there when he was three and four that was a lot of years ago um, and there was almost nothing for him to do at that point so to think just how far they've come and how far they're still going to go so there's there's definitely some room for improvement but they're aware absolutely so that moves us into sort of the sweet spot of Universal sort of the young adult Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you talk about your daughter being 13. That's oh, yeah. moving into really where Universal hits their stride with kids. Mm-hmm. You know, big roller coasters, big rides, big themed areas like Harry Potter. Oh, gosh. So this is, yeah, this is really where I think the teens want to go now, almost more than Disney. I agree with that. I think if you want a thrill rides, that's where you want to go. And in, a lot of times with my clients, you know, that go to Disney, they go to Universal for their teenagers because the teen, you know, the teens, there's stuff for them at Disney. But if you want to do a full day of thrill rides, you go to Universal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I have the one thing I can appreciate. My husband doesn't ride anything, but my daughter rides everything. So Universal offers where you know Disney has the, the baby swap, the child swap. Universal also offers it, but Universal has indoor seating areas mm-hmm. where either dad or the smaller children and mom in a stroller they can actually wait in comfort in air conditioning. Uh, some of them actually over at the Harry Potter attractions show the Harry Potter movies. Yes, it's on a loop, so the kids are actually entertained. They have no idea they're missing out on this cool ride because they feel like they're at least Part of it, right? immersive and doing something. And especially over at um, through the castle, the Hogwarts castle, they can actually take the whole tour and go through the castle. So you're really including your family into the Harry Potter experience. But I, I appreciate that. I also think it's important to point out that while certainly Universal excels in their thrill rides in terms of uh, roller coasters, um, I think they tend to get painted with a brush of that's all it is. That's all they have there. Mm-hmm. I don't ride roller coasters. I stopped riding roller coasters 20 years ago. <laughs> Um, I love being over there. There are plenty of rides I can do that aren't going to, you know, put me in a wheelchair, give me a concussion, send my blood pressure through the roof. Um, And beyond that, there's a lot of experiences over there that are just wonderful. It's just a great, these are the great parks to be in. So I, I think it's important to point out that while thrill rides certainly are a feature and they do do it really well. There's a lot of other stuff there, too. I think that speaks to the fact that is there's something for everybody. There's a full family experience. Mm-hmm. This is no longer just about someone riding thrill rides. This is about kids can have a good time. Uh, folks who don't ride rides can have a good time. Can you spend a whole day there without riding a ride? Mm-hmm. Is that mm-hmm. something you can do? I've done it many times. I do it when I go, like, when I go with my niece and nephew, who you know are in their 30s. Um, they are not. But, yeah. They are. Um, yeah. So, you know, we'll go there with them. And, you know, a lot of times I just don't feel like riding. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe, like I said, there are some rides I will. 
but they love to do the coasters and stuff. I'm great. I'm great. There's so much to see and do uh, at, at those parks that I never feel like I'm just you know sitting there waiting for somebody. A lot of times they'll say, look, I'm going to go over here and do this. Meet me when you're done. I also think that Universal's really up their theming. When we first started to go to Universal, it was a little bit plain. It was sort of buildings with experiences in them. Since Islands of Adventure opened, and then, of course, with Harry Potter, it's become more immersive. Well, I think, you know, you got to remember, when it first opened, the whole idea was, this is a working movie studio, and we just have a couple of things here for you, but, you know, this is really a working movie studio. We're going to allow you in, you know, see see it on the inside. Yeah, okay, whatever. Eventually, they realized that, no, it's not. Of working anything um, It's a theme park And so they, they invested in making it a theme park And You know the more they wanted to compete With Disney they were trying for years They tried And it was actually kind of sad Because they just never ever Really succeeded until They got the rights To uh, For Wizarding World to Harry Potter at Islands of Adventure That seemed to turn Things around and of course with the acquisition uh, of Com- uh, with Comcast acquisition of NBC Universal, um, now they've got a half a billion dollars a year in new development money. And with the land that they've purchased, and with the the expansions they're doing, the land they bought back, they it was land that they correct. sold because they were doing so badly back in two thousand two thousand one that they had to sell this land and they needed to buy it back. And they have a couple hundred acres now on I Drive, which is probably where a third theme park is going to go. It's been zoned for a theme park, by the way. So. So Universal is definitely something that is, you know, we want to encourage people to go to. This isn't no longer an add-on. It's no longer an afterthought. Should I go? Will my family have a good time? Should we send our clients there? We think it's something that you definitely should try to do. And some people are doing just Universal. Mm-hmm. It is not uncommon for us to get people who say, I don't even want to go to Disney anymore. I want to go and I spend four or five days in Universal, and that's where I'm going to invest well, my vacation time. And this is a result of the amount of construction going on at Disney right now, that there's so much under construction in Animal Kingdom and Hollywood Studios in particular. That people are saying, I'm, I'll go to Disney when Star Wars Land opens. I'll go to Disney when our Avatar Land opens. You know, let me go to Universal. Let me try something different. Because, you know, Disney's also dealing with the, I think, a certain level of burnout. Because they've had, so, you know, everybody's gone. You know, it's hard to find anybody that hasn't gone to Disney World. And, you know, a lot of people have gone twice, three times. They want a new experience. They like coming to Orlando. They want something new. So that's why I think you're seeing that trend toward people either doing split stays or just kind of just going to Universal. And, you know, we'll get to this in one of the other shows, but, you know, we'll, we'll talk about the hotels and where, I'm sorry, I think Universal just excels leaps and bounds above Disney is in the hotels. <laughs> Well, I don't know. Some hotels. <laughs> we have, you know, stay tuned for the resort show. <laughs> we can discuss it. Uh, apparently, we've had uh, we've had some recent bad experiences, but we've had some recent good experiences. So, mm-hmm. I think it's fair to give both points of view for that. So, talking about the, the size of the park, talking about what Universal offers, what are we telling our clients is the ideal number of days for a stay? What are we suggesting to folks? Let's start with the person who's never been. I've never been to Universal. I've always gone to Disney. I want to add days to Universal. You know, what are we, how are we uh, um, advising them to 
to stay at Universal? My clients, personally, I'm advising three days. Because especially if you have never been, you're not familiar with it, you're used to going to Disney, they, they, I don't want them to you know, go in overload of, oh, i got to plan this, plan that. Universal is more of a laid-back experience, but I really feel that they should take one day in each park and one day to either go back to the park that they enjoy the most, spend some time at City Walk, spend some time at your resort, because there is so much to see and do that three days, I think, is perfect. Even with crowds at Harry Potter, even you think that three days you can mm-hmm. get it all done? That's good. I do, I do too. Um, that's my. That's always mine is three days um, if you've never been. And if you have been and you know you really enjoy the thrill rides, maybe add that fourth day. Or if you have little kids and you've been, maybe a two-day mm-hmm. would work if you have little kids. But three days is ideal. It gives you time to relax at your resort as well as enjoy the parks. Honestly, from... Um an international perspective, and I know you were talking about it previously before, uh, John, but people come over from England and will do nothing but Disney for two weeks. And they come back, and I, you know, I have conversations with them, and they will still say, I didn't see everything. I didn't do everything. So I think three days is a good minimum to start off with. But honestly, like Disney, you hear people say that line all the time where, oh, there's no, never enough time. You, know, you can go 100 times, and you've still not seen it all. It's very similar. I'm hearing that from... Uh, the universal point of view people are always coming back saying oh I didn't get to do this I didn't get to do that so three three is great to do the bulk but honestly if you want to get deep in there don't limit yourself you if you spend longer than three days there you're still going to see a lot more there's always a lot more to do so uh, and you also also be concerned about what time of year you're visiting because if it's when Halloween Horror Nights is going on uh, the parks aren't going to be open as late it just generally in off times uh, Whenever it's in slow season at Universal, their parks stay open until usually only about 7 o'clock. And if there's a, a after-hours party, it'll be closed even earlier, potentially 5 or 6. So uh, despite thinking you might be able to get everything done, if they have a shift in their hours, all of a sudden you might wish you had that extra day that you didn't. And we get the question, too. Some you know clients will ask, can I spend a week at Universal? I think you can. I don't know that you would go into the theme park for seven days. It's a much more leisurely vacation. I think so. I think you could pace it out with a you know a six or a seven night vacation. Uh, you could pace it out. Maybe you want to spend you want to spend the time at the great pools. You want to spend some time at City Walk. There's mini golf there. There's you know the movie theater is there. So there's a lot to do right in that area. So you know I would say you know three days for a theme park. But there's so much else to do. And you could go off-site. You could, you know, if you wanted to add a SeaWorld day, you could certainly do that. So I think you could definitely make this a week vacation without feeling, and by a week I mean seven days, not week, like not strong. <laughs> um, I think you can really make this a, a nice paced well, week. Well, I think, I think a, a week at Universal, as I said, um, a much more, be a much more leisurely yes. How many times do we hear people say, you know, coming back from a Disney vacation, I need a vacation for my vacation? All the time. Um, So, you know, this does, you know, I I think a week at Universal, if, you know, if you were saying, okay, we've done Disney, we want to try something different, we still want to come to Orlando, maybe this time we'd like to have a slightly less energetic Mm -hmm. vacation. Mm -hmm. Um, A week at Universal gets you to see everything and I think gives you that time to kind of relax and... And enjoy Absolutely. it. I agree. I was like, Craig touched on this a little bit. When's the best time to go to Universal? When's the best time to visit those theme parks? Is it different from Disney? Is it the same as Disney? Uh, it's different. It's, it's very different. Um, you know, because like my favorite time, if I was not living here to visit Disney, would definitely be over uh, the holiday period, um, right around 
uh, the first couple weeks of December. I think that's whenever there's the the most to offer that suits with me. But uh, for Universal, if I wasn't living here, I would probably only come during Halloween season because that's whenever they thrive at their best. I think I think a good point though is to make here is that. Whereas, you know, those of us who've been doing Disney for a long time, we remember the good old days when September was quiet and January was quiet. The first two weeks in December were quiet. Right. Yeah. That, you know, with, with, you know, Disney has done a brilliant job of, of filling their parks and their hotels during those, what were traditionally the off season. Mm -hmm. Those rules don't apply to Universal. Um, It is still... You know, September is still, you can pretty much shoot a cannon down the middle. The only place you can't do it is at, you know, Wizarding World. Those are always busy. But the parks generally, you know, kind of do follow the, the old rules, which is kind of nice that you can say. So, yeah, the, you know, when the kids are in school, that rule really does apply still at Universal. If kids are in school, crowds are going to be lower. But... It's not unusual in September to see the parks close at 7 o'clock when there isn't Halloween Horror Nights. Um, they don't always stay open very late. So um, they'll, yield, they'll yield their hours around crowds the same way Disney does. And so you can kind of tell by looking at the hours. If Halloween Horror Nights isn't going on, you can kind of tell when they're projecting the crowds to be low. If it's staying open later, they're expecting crowds. Yeah, and I think it's nice. Like If they do close earlier, it's quieter, so you're still getting to get everything done in the day because the lines are a lot less, and you can enjoy City Walk at night because I I love City Walk. So it gives you that push to go to City Walk. Sometimes at Disney, the park closes at 11. You feel like you have to stay at the park until park close. Okay, and you know, for me, I think there's some good stuff at City Walk, but for the most part, I call it Sadness Walk. <laughs> and I like it. Now, now that Disney Springs is open, well, I think oh, they There's no compare. competition. You can't compete <laughs> on that, no. Oh, you no, know, you have to compare. Well, no. I was saying, if you're staying at Universal, people are not going to get in their car and drive to, to Disney Springs. No. So is, let's talk a little about City Walk. Let's talk about City Walk from the perspective of, I'm staying three, four nights at Universal, Am I going to find something to do at night? Is it going to be fun or am I going to be locked in my hotel room? I think it depends on the person. If you like to go out, like if you're a couple, a younger couple and you like to go out, yes, you can find something to do every night. If you're maybe like my parents would would hate it. They wouldn't really find that much to do there. Um, I'm not a huge fan of the restaurants there. So I think you lose a little bit of dining. Um, oh, I disagree. That's where I disagree with you. <laughs> I um, like cowfish, and that's the only restaurant I really. See, and I think cowfish enjoy. is. I, I think cowfish is mediocre on a good day. Um, I think you have emeralds, which has. And been I have I've never dined there, so that which one I can't has compare. consistently since the day it opened been an outstanding, yeah. outstanding restaurant. I love Jimmy Buffett's Margaritaville. I think they've Thank got you. some really great, fun atmosphere, great environment. Um, the NBC Sports Grill, which just recently opened, um, was un- a surprise. I really thought it was going to suck. And the food was very, very good. I was surprised at, at how good it was. So you do have some. And, you know, we recently, um, back in April or May, uh, we ate at, um, ate at the Hard Rock Cafe. That's actually very good. I was stunned how good it, it was. It was stunning because me too. It, it was so many times years ago. So many times I ate there, and it just wasn't any good. So I just kind of, I I was left with that impression, and so we decided to try it again. Went back and loved it. We had a great experience. 
So I think there are a lot of good places to eat there, not to mention um, over at at the resorts as well. I don't know how much you want to get into dining here. Um, but I think that, you know, for me, City Walk does offer that. Um, mm-hmm. Beyond that, as somebody who doesn't drink. Yeah, um, that's where the you would lose it. The yeah. theater's nice. But, and I'm going to be delicate here. Um, the theater attracts a local crowd. And the it can be disruptive. Um, I have much better experiences. I Even though that theater, that AMC theater is closer for me, I still prefer to go to Disney Springs. I would say that's a Friday and Saturday night thing, though, because um, that was my main theater whenever I lived only a mile or less away from there. Well, he's the local During- you're talking about. Yeah, you're the one I'm talking about not wanting to be in a movie theater with. But during the weeknights there, I would say you're absolutely right on Friday and Saturday. Everything goes into really uh, strict mode on Friday and Saturdays because they they won't allow uh, underage people into City Walk without parent supervision after – I can't remember the exact time off the top of my head. Um, So it's it's a little stricter there. Um, But during the week – Movie theater is generally dead. I've been in movies by myself plenty of times there. Just having That's sad, sad. Very, very sad. Yeah. It's very sad. <laughs> say the same thing. Wouldn't you say in general the parks are busier on weekends than during the week? Like Disney yeah. kind of doesn't seem to matter anymore. Every day is busy. But it seems to me at Universal, weekends are busier. It follows that. With the local crowd, right? With the old rules. Yeah. It follows the old rules. You know, weekends are going to be a little bit busier. Uh, peak seasons are going to be busier. You've got those slow times in yep. September and December, January. Um, things will pick up a little bit in February from Mardi Gras because, you know, a lot of the parties mm-hmm. that Universal does, I think all of them, with the exception of Halloween Horror Nights, are included with your admission. They're not hard ticket events. So if you want to enjoy Mardi Gras in the park on. Uh, in February, February, March, which they had, and they have some great acts and things like that. Um, and that, whether you drink or not, they got lots of cool, lots of food, lots of food stands set up all around the park. That's included with your admission. That's not a separate, a separate ticket. The only thing I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Craig. The only thing I think that is a separate, a hard ticket is Halloween Horror Nights. Yeah. But if you are in town during that part of the season. And you have to go experience it. It's they. It, it is really fun. is ridiculous <laughs> how good a job they do. <laughs> I won't either. I'm too scared. Oh, yeah. We did it last year. <laughs> I'd be very scared. <laughs> so, talking, speaking about tickets and uh, what Universal offers, we talked about staying three or four days. What kind of tickets are we talking about for your clients? For that type of stay, you definitely want a park to park ticket. There's, it's not like when you go to Disney and you can get away without that hopper ticket. If you don't have a park to park, you're not going to be able to ride Hogwarts Express in between the parks. So that's Let's your talk number a little bit one. about that for people who don't know what that means. Yeah, it it's literally the Hogwarts Express from the movie, and it runs between the two parks. And you have to have the park to park since it does take you to the other park, and you can exit. And you have to scan your ticket. Um, they do have the ability. If you didn't know ahead of time, there is a ticket window there, and you can upgrade your ticket. But you it, you have to ride it. It's part of the experience, and it's incredible. You feel like you're in the movie. You do, and it's different both directions. Mm-hmm. It's yes, not for the sure. same experience going from Islands of Adventure to the studio. It's different. So I always tell my clients, ride it both ways, and they're like, "What? Why would I go back? Just do it. Just do it. It's it's really <laughs> it's a really great cool. experience. It, it is. is. It it shocked me because at first I thought I'm riding a train. Yay! Right. It was awesome, and you know, I mean, we sat there in the whole car because you're in individual little cars, just like a train, and we're 
looking around going, really? This is really cool. I mean, it was really, I really liked it. It's awesome. I really it's, also it. it's worth it. In terms of talking about tickets, I, I will tell you, I think arguably, no, not arguably, the most popular ticket we sell for Universal overall is the one or two day park to park with transfers. So it includes transportation from Disney to Universal and back mm-hmm. for one day or two days to do this. It's great if you're not sure if you know Universal is for you. And you want to try it and you want to experience it, but you don't want to invest in the hotel and everything right then and there. Uh, what we've seen is, you know, we've we've always referred to this as the uh, as the sampler ticket. That's the appetizer, and I think one of the reasons we are seeing so many split stays now is because of the success of this ticket. People going on, you know, one year experiencing, saying, "Okay, yeah, you know what? When I come back, I yep. want." We see that a lot. So there's a one day two park ticket. And there's a, a two-day two-park ticket, so both of those would both those tickets would allow you to go back and forth on the Hogwarts Express, and also includes transportation from Disney Resorts to Universal. So now Universal does not offer uh, any kind of length of stay ticket. You're buying a separate right. ticket based on your stay, so you can buy less days than you're actually staying. Their, their longest ticket generally, I think, uh, sold through Universal's four days. And you can get more than that if you want to go with the Orlando Flex ticket. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the Flex ticket's up to 14 days. Up to yes. 14 days. 14 so. consecutive days from the first day of use. But um, it includes SeaWorld and Aquatica and Busch Gardens, too, right? And so, yeah, there's two versions of it, actually. There's the five-park uh, version and the six-park version. So the five-park version, both of them include Universal and Islands of Adventure. Um, importantly, uh, you also get with the five-part version, SeaWorld, uh, Wet and Wild, I believe, and Aquatica. You get the exact same with the six-part version, but with the advantage of being able to go to Bush Gardens as well. Um, and they will actually offer transportation all the way out there, too, if you wanted to go there. But um, the important thing to remember as well with the Flex Ticket is it is a multi-park day ticket so it will give you the option of riding the Hogwarts a Express park back and yes. forth it's a park hopper yeah um, I have I have to tell you I mean it really isn't you know you talk about the flex ticket um, for up to 14 days it's good and it's four hundred dollars per person you know that may sound like a lot on spec but if you break it down you know if you're deal. here for even a week mm-hmm. and you know that's it's good value. What's it's a two-day? What's a two-day ticket? What's a regular two-day park? A regular two-day um, park-to-park ticket is two nineteen or two hundred and twenty dollars for adults, two hundred and ten dollars for kids. And then the flex ticket's a bargain. Then the flex the flex ticket of fourteen days is three hundred ninety-four for adults, three hundred and seventy-eight for kids. And especially, you know, uh, Oscar Oliver came <laughs> <laughs> out of my head. Isn't that great? Uh, Oliver talked about you know our international guests. This is something that international guests love. You can tell the the ticket itself is tailored towards international guests because uh, it's only Americans that like to, and maybe Canadians that like to visit for a few days or a week at a time. Generally speaking, but not like people, to. Well, we you, only get that much yeah, vacation. That's, that's the amount of vacation time right. uh, you get over here. But in England, we can take a lot longer, so we'll come for uh, fourteen days at a time. So you can. Even though it's available for U.S. citizens to buy, you can tell it's been marketed um, and it's made. It's tailored towards English people, so um, it's it's the favorite option uh, for international visitors. I would say. 
Excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to talk about more more about this when we get into resorts. But one of the benefits of staying at uh, an Orlando uh, Universal Orlando Resort is the Express Pass. Mm-hmm. Certain. Certain. Universal right. Orlando Resort. Right. So let's talk a little bit about that now before we get to resorts. To sort of, you know, I know there's the the teaser ticket out there. There's a transportation from Disney. But for those who are want to thinking about staying at Universal and a Universal Resort Hotel, this is something that would make it a benefit for them. Not only proximity yes. to the park and things like that, but this particular ticket. Absolutely. Absolutely. Express Pass is, it's, oh my, you can't even put a price on it. Well, you can, but when you're staying at Royal Pacific, Hard Rock, or Portofino, you do have the Express Pass included. And you have to go to this wonderful little kiosk that takes your picture and you carry around this little card with your picture and you show it at each of the attractions that you can. You cannot use the Express Pass at the Harry Potter attractions, but you do get that hour early, which you can beat everyone else, which is, is great. But the Express Pass has a its own little line, kind of like the Fast Pass return, but you go all the way to the front. And I can tell you, it saves you hours. Especially, hours. absolutely, especially, it cannot be, you cannot put a price on it in the summer when it's hot and the lines are long. Exactly. And you literally just walk on to rides. Again, it's like the old days. It's like Legacy Fast Pass at Disney <laughs> in a lot of ways. Um, that you know, their 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 return line. You know, you're not sitting there for 15 minutes uh, in their return line. Um, right. And so it really is an express pass. And the reason that Cabana Bay and Sapphire Falls don't have it, mm-hmm. and I I give Universal a lot of credit for this. They did not want to cannibalize the value of that experience. And they knew that if they opened up all those rooms to the Express Pass, that they would not be able to manage it the way they are now. And they want the experience to stay, stay the same. So they did not add it to those. So they have you know, those hotels, Portofino, Hard Rock, Royal Pacific, that have the Express Pass. Um, and you have uh, Sapphire Falls and Cabana Bay that don't. However, a lot of times, depending on the time of year, um, you look at the price difference at Cabana Bay and Sapphire Falls, mm-hmm. and you can buy an express pass at the park right. uh, for each day that you want to be there. Right. And sometimes the price of that express pass in the hotel room at Cabana Bay is cheaper than if you were staying at Royal Pacific. Yeah, I recently just had a client actually book a room at Royal Pacific for one night. She was like, I have no intention of using it, but it was less <laughs> expensive to get the Express Pass included than for her to buy the one-day park tickets yes. with the Express Pass. the Express Pass. I do find that a lot. It's, yeah. it's usually, nine times out of ten, it's cheaper for them to upgrade to Royal Pacific than it is to add on the Express Pass every day that they're there for mm-hmm. each person in their in their crowd. So I always tell each family, if you can swing it, and if you're even considering the Express Pass, you have to stay at Royal Pacific. And yes. don't forget as well, if you're staying one night, you've got Express Pass for two days. Yes. yes. You've got a check-in day and check-out day. Yes. Yep. So now you've got two days worth of express pass for the price of one night's day just a couple more notes on express uh it actually it doesn't work at harry potter and the forbidden journey or gringotts but it does work at dragon challenge and flight of the hippogriff so a lot of people do think it's widespread to all wizarding world attractions but that's not the case uh the other thing is people uh you'll see a lot of people using lanyards for their express which it seems like such a silly thing to think about before your trip but um you, now that 
Universal has stricter policies, especially with uh, metal detectors at like Dragon Challenge and the Incredible Hulk. Uh, if you used to keep it in your wallet, then a lot of times they're going to make you take your wallet and put it in a locker. And then mm-hmm. you have a loose express pass where if you have it in a uh, lanyard around your neck, then that's allowed to go on the ride. So uh, you can, of course, buy them at every gift shop around the park. They they want you to spend $5 on it. Uh, but if you want to save some money, you can get a cheap knockoff one at Walmart before you go. So that way you'll have that for your ID, Express Pass, anything else you might The metal want. on the lanyard doesn't? That's that's not a problem. On? They they allow that to happen. But no loose articles in your pockets anymore. Uh, very, very strict about that. Mm-hmm. Excellent. All right. Um, I think we covered tickets really well. One of the things I'm looking at my notes we kind of missed was height requirements for certain rides in the park. This is something we get a lot of questions about from our clients who want to know, listen, can my kids even get on these rides? What are the height requirements? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, Universal um, has nine attractions that have a height restriction. Um, They start at 40 inches and go all the way up to 51 inches for Rip Ride Rocket. The other thing I thought was interesting, so Gringotts is 42 inches, but you also have to have a companion traveling with you that's at least 48 inches. So even if you meet the height requirement, you might still have to have somebody with you that's taller. And there was a few rides that fell into that. Um, Rip Ride Rocket was the only one that had, uh, if you were too tall, and that was 79 inches, I'm not sure how many people would fall into that, an NBA player maybe. (laughs) But yeah, so there's nine attractions at Universal and then 12 attractions at Islands of Adventure that have a height restriction. Um, And they start at 36 inches and go to 54 inches for the Dragon Challenge. So, I mean, it's, that's one of the things that we have on our questionnaire when we're helping our clients is how, you know, how tall are your kids? And we can help them kind of know what they're going to be able to do and what they're In not going to be able to do. what rides they can go on yes. and what they can't go on. Good thing about uh, Rip Rocket. It's like I got Rip the name right. Rip Rocket, yeah. yeah. My niece, <laughs> when she went, she was too short, but they gave her a pass so that when she was tall enough, huh. it would work a little bit like, I hate to use the terminology, but a little like a fast pass. So that when she was tall enough, and it took a little while, <laughs> but when she came back a couple years later, really she still cool. had the pass. That's, that's, cool. that's really cool. Yeah. That's really yeah. cool. So she was able so to use it. So instead of being really upset that day, right? Like, you can come yeah, back. exactly. Really nice. When you're ready, we're ready for you. Was kind of what it said. It was really I would nice. never recommend this, but all <laughs> attractions that do have a height requirement have these. Some of them are beautiful, like the one that we had at Forbidden Journey. It was like artwork that you would almost want to hang on your wall it was gorgeous but some people do go around even if they bring a younger kid with them that just didn't measure up you can go around and get one at every single attraction so that way whenever they're old enough you essentially have express for all oh, this rides. is going to cause so many problems so you so you would not recommend it but you would say it publicly on the podcast exactly no, i you know it's for the ones they genuinely want to do don't drag your kid kicking and screaming cuz they're afraid of the castle be like no you need to get this height certificate for next trip like don't Use good judgment on it, but you know we've recommended even to people in the parks Just whenever put, they want it. Putting it out there as well for anyone that's interested in manipulating the system, they do it at Disney too. So <laughs> it's your choice to do it or not. But yeah, I've seen them do it at Disney. Really? They will give out the return pass to go through the um, express queues. So if wow. you're not sure, things to learn on the Dreams Unlimited Travel Podcast. Yeah, really. <laughs> wow. They'll just make the, the fast test lines even longer. I, I know. Thanks. <laughs> Something you guys touched on a little bit. Let's talk a little bit about. Um, customer service at Universal versus Disney. Now, I don't think I'm you know, exaggerating when I'm saying there was a time when it was a big difference in the two parks. Mm-hmm. When you would go to Universal and there would be a marked difference in the type of experience you would have 
with what they call team members. Is that what they call their folks? Yes, team members. members. Mm -hmm. So my opinion, my experience has been is that has changed drastically, that they are hiring and they are training people to be much more customer forward in their parks. Personally, I'm finding that the level of customer service in the theme parks at Universal now exceeds that at Disney. And the main reason is that their staff is full-time, not college program. Uh, You are never, ever, ever going to get the level of service you want to get when when 60% of your workforce is temporary help. Um, No, I'm not saying that all... No, I'm not saying that all college program is bad. But you were on the college program... You know exactly what I'm talking about. How many people that were on that college program with you were really dedicated to giving great customer service? And how many people were there for a hot hot summer at at, at Disney World for something to do? So when 60% of your workforce, of your full-time workforce, is that, you are not going to get the legendary customer service Disney used to give. That mantle is quickly being picked up by Universal because they are not doing that. They are hiring full-time staff, people who are invested, people who are taking pride in it, people who are there to work. Yes. Yes. And again, I think there are a lot of great people on the college program. Mm-hmm. I think the college program as an employment strategy, as, a, as, as the bulk of an employment strategy, is flawed. Universal's not doing it. It's one of the areas Universal is able to exploit yes. against Disney. And I have seen the level of improvement in the customer service at Universal over the last seven years has been absolutely breathtaking. I personally think it's all to do with the quality of the product. Um, People were always drawn to work at Disney because they like the the brand itself. And I very recently went through, you know, that training um, within the last year or so. And I'm... They're not that heavy on it, but people give good customer service at Disney because they enjoy working there. They want to be part of something. And I think we've seen um, an increase in customer service at Universal because the products just got better. People actually want to strive to go out and work for that company now, so they have pride in themselves. Absolutely. So compared really to the 90s point. where like the, the curve's just gone up for the quality of that product, it's directly linked to the customer service you're receiving because people are, you know, going out there and, and putting themselves forward to work at, at Universal. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of people who go to work for Disney, maybe not on the college program, but older folks actually go because they have a love of Disney and they want to share that with other people. Mm-hmm. So it's not about just finding a job to fill their time. It's really about wanting to push that Disney magic forward. And I think we're seeing that with Universal. People absolutely love what Universal's doing these days. Do you think there's a shift in the num- in that percentage of college program kids working as temporary help now? It seems to me like there's a lot more of it than there ever used to be before. Uh, it's it, it it has become it has become cheap labor. I'm surprised at how much I'm seeing it in guest services. Mm-hmm. To me, when you're staffing a guest services office kiosk building, these should be mm. your top level guest Question. service providers and I'm, I've had to deal with guest services now a few times recently and not no big issues or anything but just having been there for different things and I'm dealing with college program kids understand the commitment to the customer service legacy that Disney was famous for doesn't exist anymore yeah I can see it it doesn't exist oh, I went through I went through Traditions and then Universal's introduction program to their team members within 
it's pretty much six months of each other. And where Disney, I just felt like I was another person being herded in. And um, they tried to do a good job of brainwashing you real quick to like the, the product. And if you didn't, then that was fine. You were going to be a good body anyways. We're universal. They had an approach where it's have pride in your venue. And that's why, like, now I'm still friends with a lot of kids who worked at Jaws. And every year, whenever it hits the anniversary of that ride closing, everyone makes their Facebook profile picture of them back when they were skippers. They still care about it years later. Um, they are they teach you to be obsessed with those rides that you work at and make it a part of your life. And that was different because Disney, they never did that. They just said, Hey, here's Walt. If you didn't know him before. And (laughs) when did you go go through, uh, Disney's, uh, that was 2000 fall, 2010. Yeah. It was after traditions changed. Yeah. See, Um, I did it in the forties. Yeah. So it was completely, (laughs) and it was a three day program (laughs) then. And it was was immersive. Four hours for me. It was four hours for you? you Right. And the reason it was four hours, the reason it went from three days to four hours is because when you have a staff, when you have 60% of your staff turning over every nine months, you can't afford to do three-day training like that. So it was... It was, it has changed dramatically. And what the three-day program does, and it did for me, was I was not a frontline cast member. I was doing support work in the back. I was in a managerial role. But it made me understand that everybody who works for the company is guest forward. Mm -hmm. Whether you know it or not, whether you're directly guest forward or not, this is what they were stressing. And I think that's a little And this is, this in my opinion, is one of the big areas where Disney has left a massive loophole and uh, um, there's, a, there's a massive weak spot in Disney's wall that Universal is able to exploit now. And they're doing it. And they're doing it well. And they're doing it consistently. And it's not the only area Universal is doing it. And, you know, like I said, I've, I've said it many, many times on our Tuesday show. Um, you know, we are the ones who benefit from this battle royale going on up and down I-4. We're the ones who benefit. Um, but, you know, look, I'm a Disney fan. I love Disney. I want to see Disney succeed. I want to see Universal succeed as well. Um, but Disney needs to needs to up their game. Yeah, and it's a lot easier like to have pride in your job when I feel like you're being treated well at your job. I worked for both Disney and then I did work at CityWalk, too. And there was just, I don't know, my managers were more approachable at Universal. My training there was much more extensive. Um, I worked at CityWalk, but I trained in both parks as well. They wanted you to be familiar with everything. So I thought that was a big deal. And it was a lot, you know, you have more pride in your job when you're happier at your job. Exactly. Absolutely. Yes. All right, before we close out the show, the three of you had a chance to stay recently at Universal. From a parks perspective, is there anything you want to share and you want our audience to know or you want your clients to know? Maybe from an experience you just had or um, something that happened or something you noticed that was different. Um, I can say I stayed at Sapphire Falls, and I just absolutely love being able to jump on the boat, and it's a straight shot to City Walk, and the parks are right there, and you don't share a boat with any other resort, so you're not stopping along the way, and I thought that was really nice. With the common folk? (laughs) You're the boat all to yourself? (laughs) 
<laughs> no, Sapphire Falls is the common floor. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, oh yes. I also, <laughs> I also stayed at Sapphire Falls, and the boat was amazing. And oh. unlike Disney buses, when one boat would fill up and leave, you could see the second boat. It was waiting, and it was a constant turnover of boats. We never waited for a boat. It no, was amazing. And then I also Much walked. like a refugee flotilla. <laughs> Well, I did get stuck on a boat in a lightning storm. That's another story. Um, I did walk back from City Walk back to Sapphire Falls, and it's a beautifully lit. It's uh, There's flowers and trees. It's right along the water. It was a beautiful path back. Mm-hmm. We did take a wrong turn and ended up at Cabana Bay um, because there's no signage yet. There is no signage. For Sapphire Falls. <laughs> no. So oh, there's one bad. big sign that says, do not go past this way past 9 o'clock. And we're like, okay, I guess we go this way. Well, it was the wrong way, and we ended up at Cabana Bay. And it's it, now the walk to Cabana Bay, I will say, you are walking next to a four-lane mm-hmm. road. So if you do have small children, hang on to them. Um, you can hear the Incredible Hulk screaming, and it was um, a little dimly lit when you got to that area. Uh, there was no one else on the walkway, so it was a little awkward. But the walkways are, are very nice. There's no steps. They do have ramps if you do have someone that has an accessibility problem. But the walkways are... They're very shaded, they're, too, if you yes. do it during the day. So Because yes. we did um, we walked to Hard Rock Hotel and over to Portofino. And until you get close to Portofino, it was very shaded. Yes. So that was nice. Yeah, I do like that. Tracy? Um, I see the Cabana Bay. And uh, it relies on buses. And um, we'll talk more about that on the resort show. I think in general, I think it's just a lot of what we've said. The parks are moving forward. They're growing there. I think if you were at the parks five, seven, eight years ago and had an opinion, take another look. They're, they're changing. They're growing. And I think you'll be surprised at what you see now compared to what you saw. Even when my son was little, it, there was just nothing there for us. You know, if you didn't get on rides, there was nothing else to do. Um, and I think they're they're filling in a lot of gaps. So if it's been a while since you've been to Universal or you haven't, take a look. I agree. Add Universal to your stay in the Central Florida area for sure. All right, that'll do it for this show. I thank you guys very much for your input. I thank everybody at home for viewing us and listening to us. We hope you have a great week, and we hope you have a great vacation. <laughs>